the Lord's prepared and what... You know, I keep learning and I keep rediscovering, and I, I know it, but I get reminded of it so often, is that Scripture, get this, is amazing. It, like, applies to your life. It's applicable. We were talking about the Tower of Babel today, right? And that's, that's an old story, but yet there's such application in there. It's like God knew what he was doing, and I think that's great. Uh, I, have, I have a question. I get mad at me for asking it, but I'm going to ask it, okay? I'm wondering, how are your New Year's resolutions going? How are they going? And thank, thank to yourself, okay? And, and it's like, okay, did I set any? Did I reach it? Did I fail the day after? I, I, I set one goal, and I, I already failed once already. Well, a few times, actually. But uh, this is definitely the point. And even, even we're kind of past, actually, the point where it usually starts to drop off. You make those goals, they're high and mighty, and then it kind of goes away. And what our goal in this series is, and I want to make sure we really grasp it, is we're, we're looking at scriptural principles of how we as Christians are supposed to be stewards. Stewards. I want to try to say that word and I'm going to fail. Stewards. Stewards. Okay, got it. But our goal is I want us to prioritize what we have biblically been biblically ordained to take care of. God has given us such great blessings in our life, and we have to take care of them. And what we've talked about already is first, one of the most important blessings is his word. God gave us his word to guide us and be a lamp. And if it's going to be a lamp, you actually have to use the lamp and see how it guides you through the darkness. And we talked about dwelling on scripture and meditating and making it a part of not just something we do at church, but daily we're in God's word and seeing what he has to say for us. So that's the first thing we had to steward. And the second thing is Corey did an awesome job at, at talking to us about our money and possessions. And not just like having them and growing them, but learning how to be generous towards God to, to others, to our family. And some other things we're going to talk about as we move forward, we're going to talk about uh, your time, being a steward of your time, being a steward of your family, of, of, um, of your leadership. And we'll talk about all those in, in more depth. But what I'm excited to talk to you about tonight is being a steward of your God-given gifts. Each of us as believers have been given a gift, and we're expected to use it. So let's talk about it. Go ahead and turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 and verse 3. And then I want to ask you this question, okay? You can think about it to yourself. Uh, I, if you have one of these, I would actually, that would be kind of cool to know. But do you have a hidden talent? Okay, now, now it could be something like singing. That is 100% a talent. It could be art. Uh, it could be you're really good at, I don't know if you've ever seen those people who take the batons and light them on fire and do the juggling with it. That would be a really good hidden talent. If anyone could do that, I'll hire you for youth group really fast. That would be great. I would love that. But everyone has, has a talent, whether it's hidden or not, right? And we have something we're, we're good at. Uh, I would love, I think it'd be cool if we had a Trinity talent show and we just got to see all of your interesting talents, right? And see... I think we would see some very interesting things. Uh, your talent might be you can shoot a ball. Your talent might be you can do art beautifully. Uh, you might, one of my favorite talents of people is that you can make a meal that when people eat it, they just shed a tear because it's that good, right? Those are, I love those people with those talents. I do not have that talent. My wife does, though. But uh, I don't know if you've ever met people that were just so talented it left you in awe. I, I remember um, when I was dating, dating Anna, it, and it was my, my senior year, I was actually right after I graduated. I got to meet her family for the first time. And if you know Anna and know anything about her family, she's got a big family. I think um, it's her and then six siblings. So it's, it's big. And I remember going there. And I was already super intimidated. And 
we sat down at the, the kitchen table, and I was trying to get to know them all and get to talk to them a little bit. And what I kept discovering and learning about them is that her siblings were, like, the most talented people I'd ever met. I, I, like, not just, like, the nice way. It's like, oh, you're talented. Like, they were super talented. I was in awe. I was talking to her older brother. He is amazing at computer coding. I don't know if you know anything about computer coding. I don't. I don't know a single thing about it. But I would watch him what he's doing on the computer, and I'm like, what language are you speaking? Like, what is that? And he was, it just came naturally to him. And then she has another brother who, while they were in Tanzania, he learned how to make his own gun. And not just like a little BB gun. Like, he made a rifle and was able to shoot it. It was like, and he was like, what was he, like 16? Like, I don't know how you, I don't know how to do that. That was amazing to me. And then another one of her siblings, Alyssa, was like, published two books. Like, how old was she? She was like 15. Like, you published a book? And then I read it. I was like, it's good. It's like really good. It was amazing. And then I kept going down the line. And then her other two sisters, they were like making their own dresses and fashion and learning how to sew. I was like, who are you people? Like, these guys are so talented. And then, and then my wife was the best of all of them because I was reading the book. And I was like, there's a song in the book. Like, someone wrote this song. And I was looking through, and I was like, oh, that's a really nice song. It's really pretty. I like to hear it played. And at the bottom, it says Anna. I'm like, Anna, did you write a song? Like, what is happening? Who is this family? And I remember sitting there uh, at the kitchen table, and I was like, okay, we got, I got to impress them somehow. Like, this, I, what am I good at? And I was going through, I was like, uh, I was like, I'm really good at sleeping. I can take a mean nap. Uh, I'm, really, I'm really good at eating. Like, that's a skill. I, was, I couldn't think of anything, but I remember I was just in awe, and, and as I thought more about that, it's just everybody has, has a talent, and, and some, sometimes more than others. They definitely have more than me, but if you're a Christian, we have even more than a talent. We have a spiritual gift. And let's talk about the, the difference between those for a second. They're very, very similar, but there are some slight differences. Uh, what makes them similar is that a talent and a spiritual gift, they're both given by God, and they're both given by God to be used for his glory. He's given you talents He's giving you gifts. And what both what's very similar is that they can grow in effectiveness as you use them. The more you use a gift, the more you use a talent, the better you are at it, right? We, we know that. But they're still different. Talent is more of like your genetics and, and a training. It's like something you're kind of born with that you're more inclined to doing this, and then you can grow at it and train. But what a spiritual gift is, and we can't miss this point as we continue on, what a spiritual gift is, is it's given to believers. It's something for God's people specifically. And it's given by the Holy Spirit after salvation. That's what a spiritual gift is. They're the different ones when you're born and everyone has that, but not everyone on this face of the planet has a spiritual gift. But everyone who is a believer, everyone who is a believer here tonight has a spiritual gift. So kind of the difference between those, think of like basketball as the talent, preaching, teaching, serving, those are uh, spiritual gifts. And what I want us to focus on is that, well, we just heard we have a spiritual gift, so now we're expected to use it. And our main point is every believer can learn to store their God-given gifts by understanding three foundational components in Romans 12, 3 through 8. So let's take that apart. It's believer, you have a spiritual gift. Now you're expected and commanded to use it for God's glory. And let's answer how we do that. Now before we can even go into how we use it, we got to look at our, how we think about our gifts. And that brings us to our first point, your head. Knowing the source of your gifts, having this knowledge here. Well, what, what are we thinking about our gifts? Before we can use it correctly, we have to have the proper attitude toward our gifts. What is your head thinking about with your gifts? 
That might sound a little confusing, but Paul lays it out very beautifully in Romans 12. And before we get into Romans 12, let's make sure we get the context. And youth group, you should remember this because we literally talked about it on Wednesday. We did verse 1 and verse 2 of Romans 12. But in chapters 1 through 11 of Romans, it's all very theological. He's saying a lot of, here's what a believer, here's what a Christian is. And then 12 through 16, the rest of Romans is very application. It's what a believer does. Here's what a believer is, first half. Second half, here's what they're supposed to be doing. And verses 1, of, uh, verses one and 2 of chapter 12 talk to us about what we need to do as believers first and foremost is we need to start being a living sacrifice, one who worships God, who is the reasonable service, and is not committed to this world, verse 2. You not be conformed to this world. And then what Paul says, when you got that, when you, got to, when you see that you are saved and you are meant to be fully surrendered unto God, what you do as you're surrendered is you go and you serve him. And that brings us to verse 3. So let's look at it together. Romans chapter 12, verse Three. All right. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Let's take that first part. Well, actually, we'll come back to that. For I say, for I say through the grace given unto me, hold on to that phrase. We're going to come right back to it. But then it says the next part, to every man that is among you. What that means is Paul's addressing all believers here. He's saying this is for all of you who believe. He's saying there's not a believer who is exempted from this. He's saying, I'm talking to you, Christian. This is for you. He says, well, what's for me, Paul? Well, not to think of yourself more highly than he ought to think. And you've heard that before, but really meditate on it. Like, I'm not supposed to think of myself as way up here, that I am the best thing ever. And it might be a surprise to you, but human beings are really selfish. We're really bad at that. Right? I'm really bad at that. We like to think of ourselves and make ourselves at the center of, of everything. We are so, so me-driven. And Paul, Paul's point here and what he's warned against, he's saying this can even happen in the church where people still bring their selfish desires and they're tempted to think, especially in a church context, very often is what's in it for me? What am I going to get? Very consumer mentality. What can I get from coming to church? Because I'm the highest priority. And Paul's saying don't think of yourself that high. What we can often do is we, we think the wrong way and we think about ourselves in the center and what that means is we think about our spiritual gifts as they all revolve around us and me. My spiritual gift is not about me, it's about me going and serving others. But as we, we tend to think selfishly about our, our gifts, we tend to play what I call the comparison game. This is what happens in churches all around the world because it's, and it's not just churches, it's humanity because this is what sin does, what we're easily led to think of. When comparison happens, what we do is when we compare ourselves to others, when we look at other people in the church, we compare our gifts to other people. It could be anything. We compare our lives to other people. We tend to think one of two things. One is I'm comparing myself to this person, and, man, I'm better than them. Like I'm, I'm boasting my ability and my success and my gifting, and it's at the expense of another. Like I'm, I'm way better than you. I'm thinking of myself so highly. Look at what I'm able to do, and you can't do what I'm doing. Look at how good I am. I think of it like if you're playing basketball, right? And you have someone that's a ball hog, and they will never pass the ball. And you, like, gave it to them to be nice. Like, okay, he can make a hoop, and then he keeps doing it, keeps doing it. You're like, I would like the ball back at some point so I could play the game, right? But that's the idea of it. That, that they're so me-centered. Everything's about me, about me having the ball, about me shooting, about me getting the success, and me getting the fame, and about everybody serving me. What Paul's saying is, first, don't think that you're so highly. Don't think that you're better than everyone else. But often the reverse that we sometimes forget about is, is also don't feel worse about yourselves. 
Don't, don't, don't say that. Don't, don't give up and, and let people go on and serve because you say, that's what they do. I could never do that. That's not a me. I'm just down here. I'm a lowly person. I can't do anything for God. So that's why I leave for those other people. What you're still doing, and we tend, we, there's this thing in our culture, and I think we fi- fall into it, I fall into it, is that I tend to think if I see myself as worse than everyone, then I'm humble. That's not what humility is, right? Christ was hu- the most humble, and he was not worse than anybody, right? What humility is, is, is thinking of others instead of myself. But when we think, when we still revolve around us and we think about, oh, I'm the worst, I can't do things for God, it's not a me thing, you're still making yourself at the center, Right? So, so think of these two things. If I think I'm better than everyone else, or if I think I'm worse than everyone else, I'm still focused on who? Me. Right? And that's what Paul's talking about here. He's saying, stop thinking of yourself, making yourself seem like the most important thing ever. Don't make everything about you. As we said, your gifts don't revolve around you. Well, look at the next part. And what does he say to think like? He says, but think soberly. The word soberly is of sound mind. It's self-controlled. Uh, another idea is measure yourself realist, realistically. Know first that you do have value. God created you as an image bearer, right? That's what we just talked about with the capital punishment. That's why it's such an awful thing when someone's murdered, right? Because we all have value. But we also have to realize, and we see this through Paul's example, is that we're not the best either, right? I'm not the best thing ever. I'm, I'm only here because of Christ and his goodness and his grace. He's the one who's the best. So what Paul's saying to do is know your right status. There's this bigger purpose at play And there's this infinite God who's in control and leading. He's the one we got to think highly of, not ourselves. And then he continues on. He says, Think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. What Paul's saying here is, when you think about spiritual gifts, you can't think about yourself first. You have to place God at the starting point. It's all about him. right? He's the one we're focused on. Before we get to look what I can do or I can't do, we look to God first and foremost. Why? Because he's the source of our gifts. God is the giver of gifts. We see this at the very beginning of the verse. Paul recognizes this. He says, for I say through the grace given unto me. What Paul's alluding to is this amazing grace that has been given to Paul. It's, grace is an unmerited favor. It's this gift you don't deserve. And Paul's saying, I have this gift. The most important gift I have is salvation. When Paul's saying, that's, what I'm, that's why I'm even able to talk to you right now. I'm an apostle, and, and I've been transformed because of Christ and his grace and God's grace to me. It's all about God's grace first. And then he says, and, and now that I've been saved, I can't do anything for Christ without his grace helping me. And that goes to the last part of the verse. To every man, the measure of faith. God has placed us where we're supposed to be, and he has equipped us perfectly for where he's placed us to be. Corey used this verse last week, and I think we should use it again because it's awesome. It works perfectly. It's James 1.17. James 1.17, and it says, every good and perfect, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. It cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. God is the giver of good gifts to his children that he loves. That's how good our God is. That, and sometimes we're like, oh yeah, God does give good gifts. But think that we don't deserve the good gift. It wasn't like he had to give it to us. He loves us so much that he says, not only am I going to save you, I'm going to give you a gift. I'm going to help you. If we are to be stewards of our gifts, we must remember, first and foremost, before we can even continue on, that they came from God. This isn't me. This isn't my power or my gift. This isn't even my life. Verse 1 says that. I'm a living sacrifice. It's all about God. 
And this is a gift from God to use for his glory. And we only have them because of his graciousness. So before, before we use, we, we have to praise God for it. Lord, thank you that you gave me this gift. I don't deserve it, but you gave it graciously. So that's the head knowledge. This gift that comes from God, and he gets all the credit for it. As we continue on, we got to make sure we're always pointing back to God, pointing back up to him, because we're his living sacrifices. So we got the head knowledge. We know the source of it. Now let's talk about our heart, your heart, desiring to unify with your gifts. You know, gifts aren't just randomly given. It wasn't God had some gifts in his hand, just threw them out, and he's like, oh, that, that landed there, and that landed there. Oh, I didn't know that. No, he specifically chose, and he gave for a reason, And he has a reason for it, which means we must also desire after that reason. When we think about our spiritual gifts, we have to have the same purpose that God does. Because he gave it to us for a very specific reason. And Paul talks about that in verse 4. Let's look at it. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office. So we being many are one body in Christ. Everyone members one of another. So you've heard this metaphor before. And Paul brings in, he says it multiple times. Throughout Scripture, we see it in uh, 1 Corinthians, we see it in Ephesians. That brings in this metaphor of the body. And there's one body, there's many parts to the body. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 12, 18 through 19. It, It says something very similar. It says, but now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. And if they are all one member, where were the body? So what that means is, is that if you're all the same, if we all look exactly the same, and I'm talking about our spiritual gifts, if all of our gifts are exactly the same, then our body's not going to work very well, right? We have to be different, and God knows that, and he made us different. We can't all work the same. Think about, think about football. Super Bowl's coming up, right? And think about if we were all, so say we had a, a youth group rec team, right? And we're headed to the Super Bowl because we were that good, all right? Say that we're, we're headed and I, we're given our strategy and everyone says, hey, Miles, I want to be the quarterback. No, I want to be the quarterback. And I say, you know what? Let's all be the quarterback. And we'll just do it together. And we'll just all play the quarterback role. And then we go out and we play. That's going to be the worst game ever, right? Because if everyone's trying to be the quarterback, nothing's going to happen, okay? The ball's going to go the opposite direction. There's going to be fumbles. We're not going to get a single touchdown, why? It's just like any other sport, right? If it's all about you and you're the only member people are focused on, the game's not going to work very well. You have to have a team. And what we see here is that we have to have this body and know that we're connected to it. If we all just try to do our own thing and we all try to do the same thing, we're not going to be able to accomplish the purpose God has desired. If we all try to do the, the we have the same purpose, but if we all try to do it in the same way, it's, it's not going to work. We all have different gifts. Think about it this way. You can't just have someone who teaches, right? If you just have a teacher and everyone in the church is a teaching gift, but you have no one who's really good at working behind the scenes and is able to keep things running, then your church is going to fall apart just because you have a teaching person, right? This isn't Miles' opinion. This is scripture, right? That's why he gave multiple different gifts to multiple different people. I think about it this way. One of the spiritual gifts is, is leading, is ruling, as Scripture says. But if you're just a leader, but you don't have any people who are hospitable and who are caring for people, and those can go hand in hand. You can have multiple, right? I, I get that. But if you just have one, if everybody is a leader, it's not going to work good. And nobody's hospitable. No, no one's going to come, right? It's not going to work. You have to have these different gifts. You have to have these different roles. You have teaching. You have, you have hospitality. You have uh, leading. You have these people who serve and work behind the scenes. There's all these different gifts. And God intentionally made us all look different for 
a reason. That goes to verse five. So we being many are one body in Christ and everyone members of another. The purpose is that we're all supposed to be working beautifully together for the body of Christ. We're all different, which means we're all needed. Okay, let's, let's explore this a little bit. We're gonna try a challenge. Mr. Eli, I asked you earlier, you're the fastest person I know. Can you come on up here? Okay, I got a challenge for you. So you see this cone? Okay, I want you to stand right next to it, okay? On the count of go, okay, on the count of go, all right? When I yell go, all right, I want you to just dart over to that cone, okay? Can you do that? Super easy. All right, one, two, go. All right, that was fast. Give him a round of applause. That was fast, way faster than I could do. All right, that was easy, that was easy. All right, now what I want you to do, okay? Oh, look, he's chilling. He's like, I'm ready. Give me the next thing, okay? What I want you to do is, all you gotta do is pick up one of your legs, okay? Go ahead and try that. Okay, how you doing? Good, okay. That's a little bit harder. I want you to hobble over to that cone. You think you can do it? Okay, as fast as you can, okay? All right, ready, set. <laughs> you got it, I believe in you. And go. Oh, man, ooh, ooh, okay. Wow, yeah, a round of applause for that, dude. Okay. All right, this is the hardest one. All right, biggest challenge. You think you got it? Okay, I want you to pick up one leg. Okay, go ahead and do it, just like last time. Okay, and pick up the other leg. Uh, uh, oh, uh, all right, it's kind of hard, right? Okay, let's see. Here, do it with me, do it with me, see if we can get it, okay? So we pick up one leg, right? Okay, okay, you want to race and see if we can make it? Okay, all right, I'm going to try to pick up the other leg, and you see if you can go faster than me. Okay, ready? One, two, three, go. See, it, it's, it's not going to work. All right, and he still beat me. Eli, great job. Give Eli a round of applause. All right, here's my point with that silly illustration that Eli did amazing at, is if we're all trying to work this different way, and we all are, are trying to be the same body, and if any part of the body is removed, it's not going to work, right? Okay, we removed one leg, and like he was able to do it. You know what made him go faster when he used both legs? And then we took away one leg. Like, he got across, and he stood way better than I could do. But it took a little bit more time. And you say, okay, well, grab this leg, and then grab this leg, and then see what you can do. It's like, you're not going to be able to move. Like, your whole body just stops if you take away these two things, right? It's kind of hard to move then. And what I want us to see is that every believer is important because they're all there for a very specific reason. Right? We needed both of his legs, and then he needed he needed. needed not just one, he needed both, and they had to work together for this purpose to get him to the cone. And my point with that is we need every believer in this church. Say it one more time. We need every believer in this church, and we're all working together, unified in unity for the purpose. And what is that purpose, you ask? The purpose is what this church is found on, to reach, teach, and sent to minister. That's what we're all doing together. But you know what? I can't do it by myself in just my way. Pastor Ben can't do it just in his way. Pastor Corey can't do it just in his way. We need literally every Christian that is in this room right now to work together toward this common goal. And they all work together. It's not that this one person, we push them to the side because we don't need them. We just need us, and we got it, and we can run the church. No, we need everybody in this body. We need everyone. You and your, your gifts, you, you, Christian believer here tonight, you are important to the church. You have a purpose, you have a gift, you are needed. That's what's so encouraging me about spiritual gifts is that my God loved me so much to give me this purpose that's way beyond myself. You might say, well, man, I'm, I'm too young, like, I'm still growing up, or I'm too old, I've done enough growing up. I'm, I'm, Miles, I'm, I'm, 
I'm nervous. Miles, I'm, I'm sick. Miles, I'm not perfect. Miles, I'm just me. What is amazing is exactly right. We're all different. And each person is needed. Your, you and your gifts are important to Trinity Baptist Church. Now, now, before we get this, this big head, right, and, and neglect what verse 3 says, we can't just think that I am important. Not only are you important, but so is your neighbor, right? All right, what I want you to do right now, look to your neighbor and say, you are important. Ready? Go. That's good, good. All right. All right, I believe some of you. All right, so what we see is that we can never, ever, and 1 Corinthians really talks about this, is that we can never cast out another part of the body because it doesn't look the same way as us, it doesn't act the same way, it doesn't talk the same way we do, same way we do. You're not fitting into our image, so we're casting you out. Well, that's not what scripture says at all. That this heart desire with your gifts is to unify. First Corinthians 12, 7 says it awesome. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man to profit with all. And what that means is, is to profit the common good. It's for the benefit of all. That the Spirit has given gifts to every man so that we could all benefit. Lord willing, you guys are able to benefit from my gifts. Lord willing, I'm able to benefit from your gifts. It's this, this give and take here. It's not that I'm the most important because I'm up here, not even in the slightest. Right? Each of us are important, no matter who you are, no matter what you look like. If you are a believer, if you are part of this church, then you and your gifts are needed. Because church is coming together as a body working towards this common goal of the gospel. So what that means is you and your gifts are needed. Not for our own uplifting, but for serving others. So we see that first we have to know that God gave us these gifts. And that my desire is to unify for me to know that I have a purpose. For me to know that you have a purpose. That we're all working together to promote the gospel. To proclaim the gospel as we serve others. As we care for each other. So we know, if you know anything about Spider-Man, with, with great power comes great responsibility, right? Okay, you have a gift. Now you're actually, get this, supposed to use it, right? And that goes to your hands, choosing to use your gifts. Because if you're here today and all you get is that, I have a gift, I'm a believer and I have a gift, Miles, sweet. And then you don't use it, then what was the point of giving you the gift? And, and, and what we see if, is, if we never actually use the gift, we miss what God's calling us to do with it. And Paul's leading this up. He says, think about with your head that you have to have the right attitude. Think about with your heart, you have to have the right desire. Now, now with your hands, when you have the right attitude and you have the right desire, then use it. And we see this in Romans 6, or Romans 12, verse 6. Let's look at the first part of it. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. As before, we all have different gifts. We all have one, and what this does say is that some may have more than others, and that's not that they're better. We don't have to question God and how he gives out his gifts. But we also have to make sure is that certain, having certain gifts doesn't make you more important than someone else. If you have encouragement as a gift, if you're able to encourage people, it doesn't mean you're less important than someone who, can, who has a preaching gift. Right? God has specifically chosen what gift he's given to you with such special care and consideration. He says, this is the best gift for you to have to serve me. But if a gift is given and not used, it's of no value. I think of it this way. I think I have a picture up there. Let's see. Got it? Yeah, all right. This is a shoe. All right, this is actually, I Googled it. It's like the most expensive shoe. I think it's like a Air Jordan silver metallic. I don't, I don't know what it is. But it's expensive. It was like $60,000. But... 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, right? But my point is, is that sometimes I get new shoes, and I have this thing of, I don't want to wear them, because if I get really fancy dress shoes, I don't want to wear them. You know why? Because I don't want to mess them up. And then there's like this thing called snow that I'm learning about, and that if I step in it, I, it gets wet, and then there's mud everywhere all the time, right? And I don't want to mess my shoe up. And I'm like, well, then I just won't wear it. And then I think about it, I'm like, I should wear my shoes. Like, I have shoes. Why am I not wearing my shoes? It's like, well, I don't want to get them messed up. Use my shoes. Like, I got the shoe. Wear the shoe, right? They're meant to be worn. They're meant to be used. Your gifts are meant to be used. Just having them and putting them in the closet and saying, that's really nice to look at. And then you never use it. Then what's the point? God's saying, I've given you a gift. Now use it. And he tells us very specifically in the next parts of the verse. Let's look at it. He says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of, of faith. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. Or he that teacheth on teaching. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. And that, that's a lot here. I think I have all the spiritual gifts lifted on a slide up here. Okay, That's, that's a little small, but you feel free to take a picture of it. But I want to... I wanna, we're not going to spend our time. That's a whole other sermon if I wanted to go through each one of these. But I'm giving this to you as a resource because I never actually like looked at, okay, what does the scripture say about these spiritual gifts? And what, what's the source reference? So I wanted to give that to you. But let's talk about what's really specified in this verse. It talks about first prophecy. It says, let us prophesy in faith. Our ministry, that means service, let us serve. If we have the gift of service, mind-blowing, then you should serve, right? If we have teaching, teach. Exhortation, that's the idea of, uh, when we look at the Greek word, it's, it's, it's advising, it's, it's, it's counseling, it's let us exhort. Uh, forgiving, let's do it with simplicity, generosity, right, generously. If we're going to lead, we do it with diligence. If we're, we're going to show mercy, cheerfully. And for sake of time, I can't explain this all. And what, what I have for you is, I, I put all the gifts there, and then I have a little star by the ones that have ceased after the apostolic age, um, and how those are, are done away with. Those are the foundational gifts. And then we have these permanent gifts, which is all the other ones. And the ones that are bold are coming directly from, from Romans 12. But uh, I want you to think through those and just kind of meditate on it. It's like, Lord's given us, each of you, one of these. He's, he's given you a gift. And I think that's an awesome thing. And, and I, I encourage you, just because you don't have a gift doesn't mean you don't use it, Right? Because if we look at evangelism, right, and we say, well, Miles, I don't have the gift of evangelism. I can't do it. That's, that's what they do. That's the people who are really good at talking to people. I'm not a gift of evangelizing, right? Well, then we, we're not fulfilling the Great Commission. We've all been commanded to go, right? Now, I, I, I do believe that some people are more gifted at it than others. But you know what's really cool about gifts is you can learn at it and grow at it. And you can learn how to grow in evangelism. You can learn how to grow in service. We see there's not uh, exclusions from anyone. But there are all these gifts that God has given us that we're better at than others. It doesn't mean we cast all the other ones out. It means that we grow, that we work through it. And I, I wanted to practically, a question that, that you might have asked, I know I've asked, is how do I know what gift I have? And really, I can't like, answer that for you. I, I can tell what you're really good at, right? But I, what I do know is in Scripture, I don't see... Anywhere, the apostles really freaking out about what gift they have. I feel like sometimes Christians do that. Miles, I don't know what gift I have. What am I supposed to do? 
we don't see the apostles doing that, right? They didn't go and take this test or this questionnaire and they answered all these questions. They're like, oh, well, you have the gift of serving because you answered these questions. That's not what they did. You know what they did? They served. They, they served others as they served God. And I, I, I'm going to brag on my teens because they're awesome. And whenever I'm up here, I want to take the opportunity to. But like the teens are doing exactly this. And that's, that's not my credit. That's them. They're choosing to do it is that they're all around in different places in the church, each Sunday and each Wednesday, serving, doing exactly this, learning what their spiritual gift is, not by taking some tests, but by actually getting up, using it, and seeing what God's growing them in. And then they learn, hey, I'm not as good at that, but that doesn't mean I just stopped doing it because it got hard. But I go in and I do coffee. And what that's growing me in is hospitality. I get to talk to people I don't usually talk to. I get to do ushering, right? I get to do all these different things to show how to serve. And, and that's what I love about our teens is that they're doing that. And what they're learning is, is and, and they're learning that I can grow in this area. I, I, I can, I'm really good at this area. I, I taught, I, I was in a, a preschool class and I learned how to teach a little bit. And I really enjoyed it. Maybe I do have the gift of teaching because I was there and experiencing it. And there's some really practical questions and steps we can, questions we can answer that help us figure out what spiritual gift do I have? And I think it's really quite easy. We really, sometimes as Christians, we over like mystify things. And I don't think that's what we need to do for this. And we just ask, okay, thinking of our spiritual gifts, okay? What do I enjoy? Like, what do you enjoy? I think when you're doing a gift, you shouldn't, if it's your gift, you're not going to be miserable at it, right? I don't think if you're doing any of those things on the list that you're miserable, right? But is there something you enjoy? I really enjoy teaching, right? So, then I should probably teach, right? Because that's, that's what I enjoy doing. God doesn't give us gifts and say, oh, I gave you this gift, you're going to be miserable. Oh, sorry, right? That's not what God does. He's loving and he's kind and he, he gives you the desire. You can grow in that too. You might be nervous 100%, but that doesn't mean you stop doing things just because you're nervous. Okay, so what do you enjoy? And then what are you good at? Like, and then there's this, this idea of, of I'm, I'm better at some things than others and I can grow in all of them, but there's usually this one that, you know, it just kind of comes more naturally to me. I'm, I'm really good at just being able to encourage people, really good at, at hospitality and just loving on people. I'm really good at, at working things in my head and, and planning things out, and I have that gift of administration. Like, there's ways your minds work, and they're all different. That's what God has done for his church. And then if you're asking what your spiritual gift is, there's this probably important thing. We should ask God. Like, we don't have to just figure it out and say, God, put it there, and it's like, figure it out. I hope you figure it out. That's going to be kind of hard. You can ask him, say, Lord, show me. Like, Lord, guide me. Give me wisdom. And he does, right? And then ask people you trust. Like, there's people around you that know you, and they probably know more about you than they think they do. And they probably see things you don't see and say, hey, you're really good at, at serving. You're really good at working behind the scenes. You're really, you are going to be a perfect teacher. Not perfect teacher, but you're going to be really good at teaching. You have that gift. You have the inclination, right? Ask people. And then the, I think the biggest one is like, are you serving? If you're asking what your spiritual gift is and you're just paralyzed and not serving, you're already missing the point. It's really hard to find a gift when you never serve and use your gift. It's really hard to find a gift that you never actually serve and try to find. But as you grow and as you serve, you begin to discover, as you grow and mature, what your gift is and what God has given you to. And what really it is is that as you begin to serve, what happens is your gift is no longer the primary thing you're going for, right? Your primary focus is my Savior, 
and, and serving him and serving others. And as I serve them, I see that God's helping me to do that by giving me the spiritual gift. If I go just trying to find the spiritual gift, I'm missing the whole point of using the spiritual gift. It's not about, can I find it? It's about, just go serve and love on people. And then you see that he helps you do that. That's the whole point. Look at 1 Peter 4.10 with me. It says, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards, stewards of the manifold grace of God. And what it says is, use your gift and don't waste the gracious gift that God has given And don't use it as, going back to verse 3, don't use it for self-promotion, but to actually uplift others. All right, let's let's summarize this. We've done a lot. Okay, we see we talked about the head, and that's the idea of knowing that my gift comes from God. And it's not by my power, it's by his. And then our heart. We should have this desire to reach beyond ourselves, to unify and go with the body of Christ, connected together for the purpose, for a similar purpose, knowing that we're all different, but we all work together in unity. And then our hands. So we, we thought about it. We have the source. We have the desire. Now we go and do it and use it. You know, before Jesus left uh, to go back into heaven, to ascend up into heaven, he gave some very specific instructions, right? You know where I'm going, right? It's Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Here's what it says. And you know it. Let's look at it. It says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. What he's saying here is, I want you to be my hands and feet. I want you to be the ones that go out and you carry on this ministry. He says it to the apostles, but he says that to all of us. And I think that's like one of the most amazing things ever. Why? Because he trusts me enough to say, hey, go be my hands and feet. And if you really think about it, you're like, Lord, I'm, I'm not worthy. Me? Lord, I, I, can't, I can barely do anything. How am I supposed to do it? How am I supposed to move forward? How am I supposed to do this? What he says is that he'll help you and care for you. We've been told to be his hands and feet. We've been told to go, spread the word, proclaim it as we go and serve others. So the really, really easy question, easy question, hard to do, right? Is are we doing that? God has given each of us gifts, so let us use them for his glory. You know, the, the first gift... We talked about it, but we need to talk about it again. The first gift is the gospel of grace, how he sent his son to die for us on a cross and how he he took the sins of humanity on his shoulders and he died and then he rose again so that I could have everlasting life. And that's amazing to me. And what we see is that you can't be trying to serve if you're missing out on the greatest act of service ever. Right? If you're trying to serve and find your spiritual gift, but you never actually believed in Christ, you haven't done the first amazing step. Right? You haven't gotten the gift yet because you haven't believed on what's foundational, Christ. So that's, that's the first thing. We can't neglect that by any means. Let me see, if I am saved, what he has done is given me a spiritual gift to point other believers, to point, point unbelievers, to work us all together as we go and look at the gospel and move toward the gospel. What I want us to do is what we kind of got from our first point and think about is it all goes back to him and his great glory. That's why we serve. That's why we use our spiritual gifts. It's all about God and bringing others and saying, hey, look how amazing my God is. Look at what he's done in my life. I want you to have that too. That's what we use our gifts for. You know, I think the best example of someone um, who's using their spiritual gift is what I call the quietly committed. 
right? And what I mean by that is it's the person, I know, I 100% know there's people here today that fit this category. It's the person who served for years. And I'm not just talking like three years. I'm talking like 25, 30, 35, 50 years faithfully. And they weren't loud. They weren't complaining. They weren't always trying to make a scene to make it difficult. And they weren't trying to get notice. But they were faithful. You know, and they served in so many different areas. Or maybe they served in the one same area because that's where God gifted them and they were able to grow that and use their talents and gifts there. And what they, they knew, this quietly committed person who was just serving, they didn't make this big scene about it because they said, man, it's about my God and my Lord and it's about the local church. And I love seeing people like that because they exist and it's so encouraging. It's a great example to me who's so easily making my gifts about my own glory. What I love is the person who's quietly committed to doing what the Lord's called them to do. And doing it with the right attitude, too. Doing it not to be, be self-focused or half-hearted. Sometimes we, we have these gifts, and then we're like, man, now, now I have to actually like go and use the gift. And it seems like it's a burden, and then we complain about it. That I have to get up early, or I have to go do this thing, or I have to be inconvenienced. It's like, man, what a privilege. That's what these quietly committed people do. They're humbled and honored to be used by God. So... Really, really simple application for us is we need to serve. So what, what I want to ask you is, is where are you serving and using your gifts? You know, what, what I encourage you to do is that I want you to think about it and pray about it. There's always different roles in the church. There's different roles uh, just in your daily life where you can use your gift for God's glory. Be able to think, where does the Lord want me? And where he has me right now, how can I serve him? How can I be used by him? You've been given a gift, so use it. No, no more excuses, just faithfully serving where God has you with what he gave you. Let's pray.